Hey, welcome to the Allison Park Leadership Podcast, where we discover the principles behind the plans. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts, and this is my son, Dave. Hey, yeah. Welcome to the, welcome to the podcast. We want to start off, as always, with thank yous. Uh, and so we just want to say thank you for, for joining in and listening, uh, you know, as we start off season three again. Um, so no five-star reviews this week to report up, but we want to say if you would be gracious enough to consider, even just right now on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. We would love to give you a shout out, and that just helps to spread the word. So, but as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for being a part of the podcast today. And we're going to talk about something I think that is interesting, um, especially uh, in the era that we're a part of. Um, we're going to talk about what is it to be called by God? And, you know, right now we're in a series at Allison Park Church where we're talking about that God has an assignment on us. And what does that mean? And, um, you know, I had somebody ask me just recently, is this something very similar to the new agey kind of thing where we just manifest what we want or <laughs> where does this come from? So I think there's a lot of different angles we can go go into here. Yeah, but the, the thesis is, is anyone really called anymore? Yeah, specifically in the ministry, I think the the term calling is used a lot in a lot of things now. You know, your calling in life can be whatever you're good at or whatever you're passionate about. Yeah, but really, the idea of even the word calling it, it has Christian roots. Where this term comes from is the idea that God specifically picks and calls people into uh, equipping roles to help the body of Christ. You know, achieve His mission in the world. Typically, yeah. and it's not just. Honestly, I don't think calling is just reserved for those who are in the ministry. I think it's a vocational assignment. So some people are called to be a doctor or called to be a business person or called to be an educator. I think calling can really have an application beyond just ministry, but we especially think about it when we think about ministry. So it's interesting you say that because I so because like, you just made part of what my point is, I think. Like it, when when there's the scripture, you know, where it talks about many are called, few few are chosen. And it talks about, you know, like, obviously we're all called to follow Christ. Yeah. And that, that God can assign us to be in any uh, any field. Like, it, you know, it's not like, you know, you're only really a really good, impactful Christian or follower of Christ if you are in vocational ministry, if you're a pastor, teacher, yeah. you know, whatever. So but, I think we have general calling and specific calling. Right, that we're going to talk and about. And ministry calling. And, well, specific, specific ministry calling. <laughs> okay, yeah. you, don't, you don't want to go where I'm trying to go with this. Okay, I'm using it in the classical sense. Yeah. I realize it's broader than that. We don't want to exclude anybody, because that's not even the heart behind it. I think the terminology, though, because you know a lot of this discussion is driven by, <clears throat> by the idea that there is a, uh, a lack of people that are kind of in the funnel of ministry of... You were specifically talking about church planters. You've noticed yeah. that, right? Okay, so, you know, my history is that I have been a part of church planting uh, stories since 1996. And, you know, we began to help other church planters get launched into new churches and communities that needed a life-giving church. And uh, so we did five in five years between 96 and 2001. Then we did several more in Pittsburgh after that. And then we went into this wild and crazy journey starting in 2011, where we, we uh, helped plant over 100 churches in a five, six-year period of time. At that moment, Dave, I had people calling me, okay, contacting me, to use a more, uh, d- to differentiate the term, okay? They were contacting me almost every month, sometimes every other week, saying, hey, I feel like God's called me to plant a church. Can you help me? And now, 2022, that happens like once or twice a year. So it went from, you know, 
25 to 30 contacts that were seeking me out to two, one or two. So there's been a great reduction in that. And then I think church planning organizations across the country are discovering that there's less and less people who are having this impulse. So the number of churches being planted has gone down and the number of potential candidates has gone down. And I've been a part of conversations both on the national level and on our state level for the Assemblies of God, where we've been asking the question, so where are all of these potential candidates for staff positions and church plants and how come the pool seems to be drying up? And so there's a whole bunch of different explanations as to why, but I think that brings us to the question, is anyone ever called anymore? And why is this a scenario what it is right now? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, because it's, it's broader than just church planting. Mm-hmm. When I think about my time in youth ministry, you know, I, I was a youth pastor at the Hampton campus here at Allison Park Church for about a little, little just under seven years, I guess. And... Um, even in the last five or six years, it seems like less and less, I, at least in my experience, less and less students are feeling called in, into vocational ministry. Vocational ministry. Yeah. I mean, I remember whenever I was in high school or when I was just out of high school, tons of people, like they, they you know, there would be this, this sermon where <laughs> the application at the end was, if God is maybe putting it on your heart to pursue vocational ministry, then here's how you can respond. And so many would. Uh, lots of people, and, and so whenever I read that verse, you know, many are called, few are chosen, which is an interesting thing that we could get into. Um, but I would be like, okay, like this is this is what that means. Like, there's a lot of people that are sensing God's heartbeat, that God is saying, "Hey, come pursue something." Now, like there, yeah, I guess, especially whenever I look at how many people actually are following that track, yeah. let alone the, you know, it's not just like the the width, like, oh, all these numbers have even responded at all. But then the depth, like how many are actually fully pursuing that? It yeah. feels like it's 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 like the pool shorter and shallower. Yeah, yeah. You know and, what I'm saying? I was just on the phone with a friend of mine who's a pastor of a church of about pre-pandemic numbers over 2,000 people. They have multiple campuses. And this pastor was saying, man, we have several staff to place. And it used to be pre-endemic, pre-COVID-19 endemic, that we would have 35 applicants for one position. And he says, now we sometimes have zero. We've gone months and months and months and no one's even applied. What's the deal? Is this just a, a pandemic, endemic thing where people just aren't wanting to move right now? Is, is it that people are just opting out of ministry? You know, one of the things we talked about in the last podcast is that there's a, more and more people who are in the ministry who are feeling like leaving, right? Yeah, so sure. 38% at the end of 2021, who said, uh, we're thinking about quitting ministry. Is that also affecting people who are saying, I'm not even signing up for this. Like, this is not something that I aspire to. And so that's, a, it's like a serious question. What, what does it take to get people re-engaged in this? Have we lost momentum with this? And is there something about the last two years that's causing this? Or is this a bigger and broader, deeper problem than what we know? In my opinion, I think it's definitely bigger and broader. Okay. <clears throat> but... So I have lots of ideas we can kick around as far as why, and this this is a conversational podcast. Sure, you know I don't think that we're what we're doing is teaching. We're not saying, well, based on our extensive research, <laughs> right? Here's the no, answer. No, this isn't a survey based program. We're we're more observing some things. Yeah, ba- based on our personal experience and what we've been able to uncover. Um, so th- this this is a conversational thing, you know. But I think before we start to answer or discuss maybe why 
there is there does seem to be a lack of people that feel are feeling called and prompted into vocational ministry. I think we just need to start with what let, let, let's talk about this. What is calling into vocational ministry? And specifically, I think there's there's probably a, a question people would have, like, how do I know if I've been called? Yeah, you know, because I think that whenever we're talking about people, you know, we've talked a lot about longevity ministry, staying in it over the long haul, and you know, I think the biggest part of that is, are you if you feel called, like this is an assignment that I have to do, and it's not really my choice anyway. I'm not picking this because I want to, you know be on staff at this place or because I like the people or the money, it's because I feel called. That's kind of what prolongs you. But I think now there's more and more a question, especially with the younger generations, definitely mine, huge question in my generation, maybe even a bigger question with Gen Z. Um, what is it to be called? Yeah. I think there's a lot of muddiness around that. So yeah. do you want to take a stab? Sure. Okay. So so just the word calling has in itself its own definition. So someone is actually saying to you, come over here, right? So, you know, use the phrase that Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. I think in general, we are all called, right? So all of us are called. The original calling is when Jesus looks at his disciples, like Simon Peter, and he says, follow me. Okay, that's calling. I think we are all called to follow Christ. And and so not everybody, um, uh, uh, you know, says yes, and so therefore, few are chosen. So I think we all have to answer that first calling. But calling in and of itself is somebody who, ha- who has created you and designed you, who knows your life and knows what you're supposed to do with your life, who speaks to you to say, come forward, you have been selected to do this specific assignment that I have in mind for you. So it's, it's not a, just a vocation. It's not just I choose to do this with my life because I have these gifts and I have these passions. It is actually God saying, come on, over here, do this. So it is someone, our Creator, calling us forward into what He has designed for us to do. Okay. So that's different. I was thinking of three words that sometimes we think of. The first is calling. That's God speaking to us about what He's assigned to us. The second is career. A lot of times we confuse calling and career because we have, I think your generation is probably even more career-minded than mine. So what is my... What do you, what do you mean by career-minded? Career-minded, like, you know, am I doing what I'm supposed to do in the job that I'm supposed to be doing? And am I in the place with the right people? And so it's a career path planning process. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes your calling and your career overlap. Sometimes your career is in the area of your calling. But you can actually choose a career that has nothing to do with what God has assigned you to do. And a lot of times we judge our career success based upon, you know, am I, am I succeeding in the eyes of other people? And am I fulfilled personally? So I think there's a difference between those two things. Yeah. And then there's a third word, and to stay with alliteration, okay, so we have calling. This is just then, how your brain and works, And then we huh? have career. And then <laughs> I think the third is people want to have a cause, so what what are your three C's again? So calling, yeah, career, okay, and cause. Did you come up with this on the spot? <laughs> no, well, I knew I knew you tipped me off as to what our discussion was today. So I was actually thinking a little bit ahead of time. But okay, gotcha. so causes where people feel passionately about something. It might be an issue that's going on in our world. It might be something having to do with politics. It might be, uh, you know, a problem or a need in the world, and they want to give themselves to a cause because they see their friends adopting this cause and they're they're stepping into this, you know, for whatever the the um, objective is for that particular cause. People feel very passionate, especially right now in our world, about causes. Yeah. 
And all three of those can overlap. You can be in your calling, which is also your career, which is also becomes your cause. But I think in order for us to get the order proper, we have to first of all have that moment in time where you described it. You're in the presence of God, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, I have selected you for a purpose, for a special assignment. And did you have one of those moments? I did. Can or I just several can I, of can them? I, can I comment Push, on yep. what you just said yeah, first, sure, though? Sure. Because we can definitely. I'm sure you, both of us have had moments like that, mm-hmm, right? You know, I've had. Yeah, I've had. I've had a number, and I'll go into those in a second. But part of part of what I think, though, as we're because we just defined this idea of calling. Part of what I think actually is hurting this so much is the muddiness that you just said over those words. Yeah. Because. I ah, uh, there's I have a lot more that I want to go in, but I'm not going to do my you know my hot takes or anything yet with this. <laughs> but I think like so like call I'll just go calling and cause yeah calling and cause feel like what like so it's like could you be going after a cause that's not a calling sure or is a calling is the cause what you're called to if you're burdened to something obviously I understand you can have a career like you could be doing uh, there's a lot of uh, bivocational. Um, pastors who are at a church that doesn't have enough finances to to support them, so they have a you know a secular, as you might say, career. career and then they yeah. then they have their their calling where they're pastoring a church. And there's other you know maybe it's a business person, but they really feel like they they're in a ministry to serve a community like the North Side where I'm in with Urban Impact, you know, and they're leading a lot of stuff. There's they're obviously career and calling are easy to separate, but then when you throw in cause there, I it bothers me because it. it it, it is the conversation. You're not throwing that in there, like to add something that's not there already. Yeah. But that idea is like, ah, uh, like you know what I mean. Well, so, so if I don't have a cause, am I called? If I have a cause, but I'm not sure it's what God's asking me to do, should I abandon it, or is it valid, or am I called to that? Well, we could have, <laughs> we could all contribute to a lot of different causes. I don't think we have to just have one. But let's just face it: you don't have to be a a follower of Jesus Christ or even believe that God exists to have a cause. Absolutely. You can have a cause just because you are, you feel indignant about something that you feel like is unjust, or you feel moved by something that you feel like is in need, and, and you feel like something needs to change, and so you adopt a cause because of how it affects you uh, emotionally or or how it affects you interpersonally. But I think calling is where we trace it back to say, um, at some point I heard God's voice yeah. say to me, this is what I want you to do. So and so it that becomes a cause, but it doesn't start by feeling it as a cause. So do you know what I mean? Can we get into that experientially? Sure. So a, a lot of what I do um, right now is, and this is probably so. This is an interesting aspect for me. Um, I, I I wonder what you would term it in those those C's. So my career right now is I'm a campus pastor at Northside, but something that I know God's assigned me to do that I've been doing kind of in every phase, even before I was a pastor. But whatever department I've been working with is I tend to gravitate towards finding young younger people than me who have like a, a desire to do something ministry focused with their life or leadership. You know, they don't always go into pastoral ministry, but they want to make an impact for the kingdom. And then I, you know, a lot of what I want to do is invest into them and pour in them. And there's conversations like this that happen all the time. Right. So that that's an interesting. And then thing. we present a lot of projects through Kingdom Builders that are Worthy causes, yes, for people to be a part of, and these young leaders get excited about some of them and want to be involved in a lot of them. Yeah, but one one of the big questions I have 
is, is, you know, am I called? I have no idea. What does that even mean? You know, I, I, well, so, you will know if okay. you're called, you will know. So, so, but, and the reason why you'll know is because you can point to a moment where you heard his voice. You can't have a calling without having heard his voice. So, but when Andy Stanley describes, and obviously based on the fruit of his ministry, he's, He's been a massive, you know, yeah. influence in our, in our nation. He says, I don't know if I remember a specific moment where I felt like God spoke to me, but I just said, God, I'm available. And I was always like, hey, I'll do whatever you need to do. And he felt like the opportunities and the doors kept opening. That kind of confirmed that, even though he didn't have that same experience. For me, I, I definitely had an experience or two. Maybe that's because Andy's not from a charismatic, charismatic, you know, movement, so they don't no, but I do think Andy way. talks about moments when he felt promptings to plant his church, North Pole. Okay, true. Right? And so at some point, he went back and he said, I feel the inner impulse that I'm supposed to leave my dad's church here in Atlanta and go to plant North Point. Maybe he doesn't interpret that in the same way charismatically that I'm describing it right. now. Um, but but this is also, I think, a distinguishment. Maybe, maybe let's, let me camp on this for a moment. So we're part of a stream of churches that's called Pentecostal Charismatic. And, and this was birthed at the turn of the last century in the early 1900s. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out uh, and people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, one of the things that happened often was this idea of calling. I'm just re- recently reading a book called Sister Amy, and it's about Amy Semple McPherson, who was the founder of one of the Pentecostal denominations called Foursquare. She was actually the first megachurch pastor ever. She pastored a church in, in Los Angeles, California, of 25,000 people. In the Foursquare denomination, correct? Yeah. yeah. And she and her husband, her, her first husband who passed away, uh, Robert Semple, felt called to leave America and go to China. And they served for two years in China. Now, it wasn't necessarily originally their own particular bent. It was something that they heard from God to do while they were in his presence in a prayer meeting or in a worship service. And so they sold everything and got on a ship and went to China and served there. And actually, Robert Semple died two years in, and Amy Semple McPherson then came back from, from that place. This is a very common thing for Pentecostal charismatics to say. I was called. I was called to go be a missionary. I was called to be a pastor. I was called to go to this city and plant a church. Um, It is this moment where you have in the presence of God where God distinctly says, it's okay, Acts chapter 16 is one of these moments where Paul is praying, God, where do you want me to go? What's the next assignment? And he goes to sleep and he has this vision from God, and it's a man from Macedonia who's saying, come over here. He's calling him, come over here. And so he leaves that place and they conclude that God... Uh, wanted to, them to go to Philippi. And so it's those moments right there where you have a, a moment with God where he gives, uh, t- typically it tends to be a, an assignment to a people group or a place or to a particular purpose, like pastoring. Um, and so that tends to be what we hear. I want you to go and do this. And and that comes in the atmosphere of God's presence. Now, maybe this is uniquely a lingo that is distinct to Pentecostal charismatic churches. But even within the framework of Pentecostal charismatic churches, there's less and less younger people, especially who are saying, I've heard from God in that way. I don't think it is unique to Pentecostal charismatic. I think that when we talk about experiencing the call of God, where you like distinctly hear God say something to you in that kind of way is probably a, a charismatic distinctive, but I don't think the term calling is. 
So for, for me, you asked earlier, what was my mind like? Um, I just remember a, a number of different times. Man, I, I, I think I knew early, like even as like a kid, because, um, you know, I grew up, obviously, uh, I think I gave my life to Jesus, like as soon as I was, you know, mentally mature hey. enough to understand <laughs> yeah. that, do you know, like maybe like four or five. And um, even as a kid, I remember God kind of like, sort of like confirming to me. But I think when I was 12, I was in a, uh, a service and I was praying and asking God to answer that question directly. You know, am I called? And I just felt, I felt like, yeah, like, you know, like a confirmation. I felt a sense of this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I, I would say I was operating under that assumption through my teenage years and on a missions trip that I think we went on together. I think you were there um, in Nicaragua. Yeah, I was there. 2007. Uh, I, you know, saw some incredible things that were happening, thousands of people getting saved and God doing some amazing miracles. And, you know, I felt reaffirmed, like, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And what's been interesting to me, this is where my conversation always goes with people that are asking, am I called? Um, or am I called to this or to that? Or I don't know about what my next step is. Um, for me, I realized that calling is is God leading you towards what, whatever his voice is directing you to in the moment. You know, so for me, initially, I thought I was called into missions. And I was so sure I'm going to be a missionary. <laughs> yeah. You know, and who knows? Maybe, maybe someday I will be. Um, and then after I was in Bible college and I was graduating, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I felt God prompting me to pursue church planting. And I almost did. And I'm very thankful that I didn't at the time because I would have been a 23-year-old <laughs> church planter with not any of the competency or skills that I would have needed to do, you know, to succeed. Or I mean, God could have done anything, but I'm glad I, I'm glad he didn't lead me that way. Um, and I, I felt like, oh, I want to pursue this. It's not the right time. I stepped in as a youth pastor Never thought I would have, would have done that, um, and I was sort of waiting for the moment that God would specifically call me to go plant a church. I was looking at Connecticut, um, and it's sort of like my actual vocational ministry career has looked different than my burdens have been, but I think I, I, the one thing I feel called to is to follow God's leading, and I know He's leading me to, to use my life for vocational ministry ministry as a pastor, but like... Yeah, I, I guess I used to have this idea, you're called to a place or to a people. It hasn't worked like that for me. It's just been I'm called to follow the next assignment, whatever's up in line, you know? Yeah, but you had a moment in time where even as a 12-year-old, you felt like God was saying to you, I am setting you apart for a purpose to serve my people and my purpose on earth. Absolutely. Okay, it starts there. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we think of Simon Peter in John chapter 21, after the resurrection, he is with Jesus on the beach on the Sea of Galilee. He has failed. He denied Jesus three times. Now Jesus is resurrected and he redeems Simon Peter by giving him three chances to answer. He says, do you love me, Simon? And Simon says, I don't know. I think I do. You know, I can't even judge anymore. And then he says, feed my sheep. And then he says again, a second time, and he says, take care of my lambs. Okay. That's where Simon Peter was called again. Yeah. I, I have a general purpose in your life in that I have a people called the church, and I want you to have a role in leading them. Yeah. Simon Peter didn't know yet all that that would entail. We then fast forward to Acts chapter 2, where the day of Pentecost happens, and he ends up prompted to stand up and preach to the people that are there in Jerusalem. Now he launches into a brand new apostolic season, 
and he starts to lead in the church in Jerusalem. I don't think he would have seen a clear straight line between feed my sheep and pastoring a church of 3,000 people in the city of Jerusalem. Then he starts to travel and do ministry up and down the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and he gets a specific Acts chapter 10 vision from God in a trance to go to Cornelius's house and preach to this Gentile, yeah. which breaks open the whole Gentile world. And so progressively, there is a general assignment, I'm calling you to lead my people to fulfill my purpose on earth. And then there's these specific assignment moments, just like what you've experienced. Sure. Same thing happened for me. The, I got saved at 15 years old. The next night after I gave my life to Christ at a youth camp, I was at the front of the church being prayed over, and I felt this tremendous burden come on me for my high school, for my friends who didn't know Christ. I felt that God called me right there. At that point, if you'd asked me the next day, are you going to be a pastor? I wouldn't have been able to tell you yes. I just knew something, that I had a role to lead God's people to fulfill His purpose on earth, which was to reach people who didn't know Jesus Christ with the gospel. That progressively began to unfold into, I think I should go to Bible college. I think I should intern at Allison Park Church. I think I should go on staff at Allison Park Church. Like it, The career path unfolded, but it still stayed in the general stream of, I'm to serve God's people and fulfill God's purpose on earth, which is to preach the gospel. What we are lacking right now in the church world overall is more and more young people who are saying, I feel God has set me apart to serve His people and fulfill His purpose on earth. And people are searching for, I think, all the secondary answers, which is what you just described. Where will it be, and who will I be with, and what will I, will I be a pastor, an evangelist, or a missionary, and you know how will this all work itself out? I think all of that plays itself out over time, and over a lifetime can change like nine different times. But the, the, uh, what we want to set people up for in this podcast is to have them ask the question, has God set me apart to serve His people and fulfill His purpose on earth? And if you say yes to that, God will start to fill in the blanks of the rest of the items. But not enough people have said yes to that first component. And that tends to come at a specific moment in the presence of God where all of a sudden, you, like I said, I started feeling this burden right. from my high school. Yep. And I knew God had set me apart for His purpose. Okay, so let's talk about why. Because it, it's it's not, I mean, I mean, I guess, why is this not happening as much? Yeah, why, why is there this, this lack of people? Why are we seeing a decrease in... You know, people mm-hmm. that feel called by God, set apart. For you have whatever, theories? Whatever you, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I do. Get, what's your? I have I have a bunch too. Okay. <laughs> um, let me let me think of where where I want to start with this. Uh, okay, so I don't. Let me just start by saying I don't think that God has changed. No, no, I don't at think all. that God is calling less people, and so we're just like, well, when's God going to start calling people again? I I think one base part of my theory, one foundational thing is God is still doing it, but we're we're somehow we're missing it. And that that may be that an individual is not sure or not confident, or maybe it's that as a movement of churches that we are not fostering this the way that we have in the past. Um one thing that I think though that and I, I think you may disagree with me on this. Okay. So let me just say so you have full permission to disagree, and so do you guys, whoever's <laughs> yeah. listening. Um, but also you can correct my language because I don't know how to say this except it's sounding raw. Okay. But let me like say something you and I hope you understand why. Huh? Are you gonna cuss here or what? I'm not gonna cuss. No. I, I just this might sound insensitive. I'm gonna try to say it in, in in a way that doesn't sound like that. I think that it, we we really have tried very hard over the last, let's say, a decade to 
not make ministry, full-time vocational ministry positions sound glorified. So we'll, we'll say things like, um, well, you know, every, like everybody's called. And yeah, that's true. You know, and, and well, maybe your calling is to be a doctor. And yeah, that's true. Um, but I think that like you also use the word set apart, but that also flies in the face of every other language we used up until this point. We're talking about calling because what well, calling is a big, broad conversation, but is it? Because okay. in, in this thing that we're talking about now, we're talking about where God calls equippers, which is not a higher calling, but it, it's, it's certainly a more, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? A more intense, call, intense calling? It's a more sacrificial calling? Well, if the, if the most important thing to God in the world is His people, and we uh, understand that that now those who are in the, have this equipping calling are assigned to lead God's people, yeah, then you would have to say this is one of the highest callings because it is the most precious thing to God on earth, which is His church. Church, not institutional or denominational, but anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. So, so I want you to be set apart to serve my people. Yeah. That is a very high calling. Okay. I think what we did in the past is we so elevated that yeah. to like, if you're called to be a pastor or a missionary, you are somehow on a different plane than everyone else. And so it almost seemed like there was this separation between the educators and the business people and the doctors, et cetera, and the, and the pastors and leaders in the church. Um, so I don't think we want to go there to say that somehow they're more than or better than. But I also th- I understand what you're saying to, to say this is a very special thing that to be entrusted with God's people, like, like Jesus said to Simon Peter, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. This is not to be taken lightly, and it is a very high calling in the eyes of God because God needs people who are going to do, you know, love his people and fulfill his purpose in the world, equip people to fulfill God's purpose in the world. So part, part of my theory is I think that in an effort to be more relational and more down-to-earth, more on-level of people, and not like, I I wear a suit and people have to address me by the title pastor, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I understand that's not of a bad heart, but there was a more formal generation, especially your dad's generation, my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in our, in our effort to be more down-to-earth, in some ways, we've a little bit unintentionally degraded the idea of ministry calling. Here's here's something that I've noticed, and then Lots you of, then you compare it to well, if I'm going to be you know I could make a lot more money if I was a teacher. Yeah. Why would I want to be a pastor? Or I could boy I could go a whole or a lot lawyer further. Or a yeah, business right, person. right. And so if you compare it based upon the other ways that you judge a career, probably being a pastor is not that great. Well, and what I was just going to say is I've had probably five conversations with young people talking about this where they're like. I just feel like I have more potential than that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, try not to be insulted by what you just said, because I, I don't think of, I mean, maybe I'm just miss, you know, maybe I'm misdiagnosing myself and I think yeah. higher than I should, but I, I think I could do other things with my life. I really think I could be a successful, you know, person in the secular career career world if I wanted to. Um, but I've, you know, based on like grades and just when I, yeah. you know, my work ethic but and God stuff. But God set you apart to serve his people. Yeah. And, and I, I felt like, and you know, everyone is called to serve his people, but you have a special assignment to equip the people of God to fulfill his purpose. So it's a, it's a holy calling. It, we, could, we could use that word. It is, it is holy. It's, it's separate. It's distinct. It's not like any other career path. It's not just like living for a cause because you've been entrusted with the people of God to lead them and shepherd them. And that's huge. Yeah, and, and I, I do think that, like, 
Okay, you can have people that are not career pastors or or whatever that that. Are, that do that that are serving with their entire lives you know I, no and that's what i want to be clear about i'm not in any way trying to degrade people that aren't pastors i think that god does call people into things that are not vocational ministry absolutely and i, I know man people that i deeply respect and admire would like to be like that aren't in ministry but what i do think is we've lost our ability to differ, differentiate callings and I, I think we've degraded it, because I, I do think, so it, even just this, just scripturally, wh- whenever you are called into ministry as a as an equipper in the fivefold, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher. Uh, apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, pastor, te- teacher. Yeah. There we go. I, I did it in a weird order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I can't track it anymore. No, but I, I think like if you're, if you're called to one of those things, God's calling you to a higher life of sacrifice, mm-hmm. because it is, you know, it, it's not that, I don't know. It's well, not, you know, Jesus said um, there is no greater than love than than somebody laid its lays down his life for his friends. So you would be actually called as a pastor or a prophet or evangelist or apostle evang- to, to lay down your life for yeah, your people. Yes. So you don't seek um, just career advancement or financial security first. You seek to serve the people of God and the purpose of God with your whole life. You know, so we do, we devote our whole lives to that purpose. That becomes the, the the issue. I agree with you. I don't think that's you said. I might not agree. I, I think I think you hit on something, maybe missing from the conversation. So I have other theories. Can I keep okay. going? <laughs> so so let me jump in and give one okay. of mine, and then we'll yeah, bounce yeah, yeah. back and forth. Uh, sorry, I'm hogging the yeah, whole. Yeah. You go okay. ahead. I don't think we have enough moments like what you described, where the pastor preaches to the issue. Are you called? Yeah. And and makes a designs a moment in the service for people to say yes. I think that's a missing message from the repertoire. I was just with Pastor Will Hampton, who's one of the guys we helped to plant in Binghamton, New York, and he said, I'm all about the the call message, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. He said, you got to preach it a couple times a year, make the funnel big, and then you take the people who say yes, and whoever comes forward, you start to work that with them so that you can start to prepare them for ministry. And that same week we had Sacred Assembly, and at the end of the message, I laid it out there. Come on, if you feel God's called you, I want you to respond. Yeah. I think I think historically in the um, Pentecostal Charismatic Church we had a lot more time too. So you had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and typically Sunday night services were extended worship. And I hear the old timers, you know, my dad's generation, say it was during those Sunday night services where we spent time around the altar and we were in the presence of God that so many people were called. I know my mom's when she was a teenager they had a revival at their church in Erie. And the Holy Spirit was poured out in such power that there were like 20 ministers or missionaries that came out of her youth group. Wow, that's awesome. And and so like there was this huge move of God, and then people ended up serving Him all over the world because they were in this hot crucible of the Holy Spirit's work. Yeah. And it was in that where they heard the voice of God to say, you are set apart for His purpose. So I know some old old timers have said, maybe we need to bring back Sunday night service as if the format of the schedule was the key. I don't actually think it has to be on Sunday night, but I do think it has to be somewhere yeah. where people are pushed to spend extra time in worship and in the presence of God, where they've heard a challenge from God's Word and then they have enough time, like at some of the youth events that we have, for God to say, you are set apart for my purpose. I want yeah. you to serve my people. Yeah. And I think that's another factor. Yeah, that that was something that I was, when we were doing our night preparation and I had a little breakout session, that was one of the things I was talking about was, 
I do think we've lost a little bit of that Holy Spirit crucible, as he said. So, yeah. you know, that could be another session. And every service is so programmed, and often yeah. every it's timed down to the detail so that we be, are relevant to the culture we're a part of. Sure. We're not wasting any time, so everything's a little bit more produced than it used to be. And if it is so produced, and there is no space in a service where people are going to experience God a little bit longer— when would God ever have the opportunity? Unless sure. he just kind of knocks you over the head as you're driving down the road, yeah. which is typically not the way that it happens. It does tend to happen in these moments that have been cultivated. So that could be another another talk, mm-hmm. you know. Um, something else that, that I've seen, and I guess this is <clears throat> this is really easy to point out in youth ministry, but it probably is a church phenomenon in general as well, as I think that we have really, in the last decade, moved so far in terms of like what we're building into people that sometimes I think we focus too too much on building leaders and not enough on building disciples. Okay. So it's like we have people that are really equipped with great leadership skills. You know, but I was talking to you about this, but do do they know the Bible? Have they, have they been spending time in God's presence? Like are are we making people that are going to be successful in a, in career fields and we're teaching them good life skills? but they're not necessarily always in God's presence. I don't know. I, I think when we're talking about young people, we often are using the terms like we're building leaders, but we don't really need just leaders. Yeah. Like the culture is, has a huge value on, on leaders. And I think even in the Christian world and in, in the church world, we need really good leaders, but we also need people that are better disciples. That's than great. Yeah. You know, in fact, you don't have to die to yourself to be a great leader. You don't. But you do have to be a great disciple. Absolutely. And often it's in those moments when you're, face-to-face with something you don't know what to do with, uh, and God asks you to die to yourself, that on the other side of that, you have this moment of breakthrough with God. And so if all we're doing is giving leadership skills, here's you know the five phases of leadership, and here's yeah. the five steps you take, and here's the and and here's all your personality traits and yeah. your enneagram, and like we're informing, 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 and giving so much information, but until you hit the point where you've had to come face to face with yourself, yeah, and and you and you're like, I don't even know why God would love me, <laughs> and you're like, I know He wants me to release this, and it's just kill, kicking my butt to have to do so, but I'm gonna, God, I surrender to you, and then all of a sudden on the other side you get, and now I'm setting you apart for my purpose. If you don't ever bring people to that place of discipleship, then they're missing a whole. They're doing it all in the flesh. And and I love I love all the stuff you just talked about, like all all those tools. Have personally impacted yeah. me, and it's I not think like we want to get rid of them. Yeah, they can be part of the equation. They're not like the unholy roadblocks that are stop, stopping people from being followers of Jesus. But man, I'm so sick of just positive Christian TED talks. You know what I mean? I really <laughs> yeah. am, and I've preached them. You like know, you got to be hungry to say, "God, we want to move of the Holy Spirit." Right? Yeah. I, I, and I like. I'll, I'll be honest. There was a phase of my ministry when I preached a lot of positive Christian TED talks, and they had scriptures, and I think they were still, you know, cross centric and in some ways, but like when it's just be better and break through in your best life now, and it's not enough. Die to yourself. Yeah. Bad attitude. You, yeah. gotta, you know what I mean? Be <laughs> a better, yeah, be a better husband. You know what I mean? Give more. Cause because that's what it really is. Take up your cross and follow me. Discipleship is all about I'm giving everything I have. Leadership is more about I'm developing a skill within myself to make a difference. And sometimes it could be a self-serving difference yeah. in whatever sphere of the world that I'm in. Yeah, it's a complicated problem, isn't it? It's got layers. I think I think the other thing is. Um, in the university system, so we're part of the Assemblies of God as a 
as a fellowship or denomination, and and almost all the universities that were started in the in the organization we're a part of were started as Bible schools. Like my dad didn't even go to an accredited university. Eastern Bible Institute was only three years, and he got a diploma, <laughs> but he was called. Yeah, and he went there to get an education specifically to fulfill his assignment to serve God's people and God's purpose in the world. And he never did get a, a bachelor's degree, but he fulfilled his calling for forty plus years, and. Uh, actually almost 60 years. And, and, uh, and so now all of the Bible colleges have become universities, which the primary focus is on, you know, getting students that are in for education and business and, and all the other skills. Liberal arts. It's almost like yeah. the call to ministry training track has disappeared. Yeah. And unless you're talking about, I mean, you know, a, a local, Ministry school, uh, right. like what we have at the Leadership Academy, yeah. which or, I think or the, lot... there are more people coming out of Chi Alpha, which is the college ministry, all about it, where people have this burden to reach their friends yes. that are becoming pastors and missionaries, and that's insane. That is frankly they're, insane. They're ascending a, a secular university. Wait, I, I have to cut you up before you finish that yeah. stat. Do you want to say okay? What you said? More people going to get credentialed to become pastors and missionaries out of Chi Alpha than out of all of the universities in the assemblies got put together combined. That is a sad thing because the, those are the training hubs. Yeah. But they've, but really, and, and this is, I, I'm not bashing any, I mean, I went to Central Bible College, you know. Right. You Which know. then was merged with the Liberal Arts University. To become Evangel, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Evangel University. I do and, think we, so now I'm t- talking prejudicially, but I do think we're missing a Central Bible College component. Like there used to be this place and, and every student that was there was there because they felt set apart call. to go into yes, ministry. Yes. And they were, in mission services and in prayer meetings where God was refining that call to yeah. nations and cities and things. And now it, it's it's all mixed into the rest. And that crucible that was there at a Bible college level is not present anymore. And so, and and often, um, you know, youth camps are a place where it happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but, but there's just not enough environments now where people are hearing... Hearing that, that not special yet, assignment, but there will be. Come on, yeah. Because no, I'm not even just speaking in faith. I, I think there's a deep hunger in pastors for more of this, and I think a lot of us are looking to like be like, "What do I do?" Yeah. You know, and, because there is even there is a stereotype, a prejudicial prejudicial stereotype against uh, local Bible, you know, training programs yeah. like like what we have with Leadership Academy. Because you look at it and say like, "Oh, that's kind of like a master's commission," which always is used as a derogatory term. Or that's like a glorified internship where they usually set up chairs, but you don't get developed <laughs> as an actual you know pastoral candidate. You're right. not you're not de- being developed as a minister. Um, but we need whether it's local or we all combine and pull our efforts to make a an actual accredited college again. Mm-hmm. But we we need people that are specifically focused on educating and training ministers and missionaries to go out and make a difference because our world needs it more than ever. Yeah, and with our six campuses and even a lot of our church plants, most of the people who are feeling called to be on one of those staffs are coming through our leadership academy. Yeah. They're not coming through another system. I'm thankful that I'm a part of a church that if somebody is in an environment where they hear God say, I'm setting you apart for his purpose, that we have an on-ramp for them locally and we can kind of hold their hand till they get into into ministry. I do think that one of the things too, I love what you said, God hasn't changed, but maybe what we have been doing to format things has changed. But if we get back to that and we create these environments, 
we can expect that God is going to call a wave of the next generation yeah. to step yes. up. Yes. And one of the things we're praying for, and, and as you're listening to this podcast, you can join us in this, is pray that God would begin to call again a fresh wave, like what happened to my mom's youth group, you know, 20 out of one class that went into the ministry, that God would start to call the next generation of pastors, evangelists, apostolic leaders, you know, teachers, missionaries who would who would change the world and and serve God's people and His purpose on earth. And the other thing is, I think that there are a lot of people that are suspectors of a call in their life, and maybe they're listening to this podcast. I almost just feel like I'm prompted to say this, but if you're suspecting that maybe God's called you, you got to pursue that. Yeah. You know, you, you can't just be sort of on the fence like, well, but do I really want to do that? Mm-hmm. If, if you're following God's calling, it's not your choice. Yeah. You're not picking what God's calling you to do. God's calling you to something, and it's the just choice if you're going to go into yeah. it or not. Yeah. Say yes and talk to somebody in your life that can help you take the next step. And it's not just there are those who are suspecting it. I know there's a whole bunch of people who at some point in your past, maybe you're even my age or, or older, and you're like, I know God called me and I never pursued it. Okay, it's not too late. You're still breathing air. Get on board. You got room. Yeah. So if you feel you've been called and you haven't fulfilled it yet, step up. Yeah. You know, we want to help you get there. You you know, I I think that verse about how uh, where Jesus says uh, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. That that is so true. Yeah. We need more workers. We need the only shortage in the kingdom. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a huge shortage, though. Yeah. And we need you. God has the money. He has the power. He has the creativity. He lacks the workers. He needs people to step up and, yeah. and, and to follow his voice and do his calling because, man, does our nation ever need yes. more people that are serving God with their whole lives to, to be equippers yeah. who are servants of, of, you know, of God's people. I think we really desperately need that. Uh, and so what we will just say is a quick plug. I wasn't intending to go here, but if, if you feel like I'm called— I, or I think, I strongly suspect I might be, I, I think maybe when I was younger or maybe recently I've been feeling a prompting. We want to help you. Reach out to us. We have a leadership academy that specializes in this. Yep. Um, you can get your degree if you're a young person in high school or you've just graduated. Um, you can get your, your full bachelor's degree at the same time. Um, but we want to help you because we believe that God is calling a fresh wave of the next generation or of whoever. Yeah, whatever age you are. Whatever generation yeah. you're in, that he's calling you, that we need you to be a part of what God's purpose is. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, you'll never—honestly, I've never regretted it. Mm-hmm. I've been tired and frustrated and and, and weary at times. Um, but even in those times, I, I've never really wavered on. I feel called, and I wouldn't change it. You know, it's hard sometimes. God's but it's so people rewarding. need you. The world needs you. Yeah. The nation needs you. The city needs you. If you don't step up, who will lead God's people forward? You know, here's the other thing: a lot of churches are led by older pastors. Who will step into that gap and serve to lead those churches when they're gone? Um, I think what the average age is like fifty eight or fifty nine. Yep. Yes, and so we have a we have an enormous problem in the kingdom of God, and so we should expect that God's going to begin to say, "You have a special assignment. I want to use you for my purpose in the world." Well, would you just close us in prayer as we yeah close this So, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would do what you do, uh, speak to those even as they've listened to this podcast. I believe it's already been happening, and we pray that you would affirm and confirm that and help everyone who feels that tug in their spirit to take the next step. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good episode. Yeah, it was great. 
Yeah, well, thanks for joining us as always. Uh, I know we say this all the time, but you really do make a huge difference if you'll simply just share this. So if you know somebody who maybe has been thinking about, am I called, they have that question, um, or there's others that you think would, would get value out of this, if you could share this on whatever social media platform you want to, uh, you can also subscribe. That also helps just to build the following. But all those things help us to get the word out. We would super appreciate that. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Have an amazing week. We'll see you guys next time. 